The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition, the last one of the season because your Kansas City Chiefs are in the final game they are playing to run it back against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we have a lot of great questions today and here to help me answer them is my dear pal and only my dear pal find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina Maddie Lane what did you do to Craig listen here's the thing we got to continue tradition last year I missed a podcast the week of the Super Bowl we won it. This year, I volunteered to miss again, but Craig said, no, no, this is his turn to be out. We got to test it out, see if just one of us can miss it or if it has to be me. So the fact that Craig took this one off, if the Chiefs lose, you all can blame him. Now you have mine and his and Ken's permission. Are you sure we can't just blame you? Like, I feel like I think it go either way. Like, you're just assigning blame to him. I can leave the podcast, and you can do it solo, and then that way it's not on me at all. You know what? I'd rather risk it <laughs> and just and have you just do the show with me because the idea of doing a solo mailbag is abysmal. Like, that just – I can't do it. Craig is literally doing something involving planes. Like, the, the Renaissance man is literally doing something involving planes. That's all I can say about that, though. Uh, but he will be back for the game preview, I believe. Uh, everything is good with Craig. All right, so let's jump into these questions. And uh, we got a five-star review question or three, so let's answer him. John Blue Springs, I do want to shout out you. Thank you for the kind review, my friend. Sevy C26 left a review and said, I've watched the broadcast of the AFC Championship game a couple times, and now I can't help but notice the chess match between Josh Allen and Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew checking in and out of different plays and coverages at the line. Can you speak to how good the Chiefs' defense was at chess while the Bills were playing checkers and how that will be even more important against TB12 in the Super Bowl? Are they up to the task? Here's one of the things about that Bills offense. They did a good job of calling a lot of specific situational plays. They were trying to beat specific coverages, beat specific players, and Steve Spagnuolo and then Anthony Hitchens, Tyron Matthew did a great job putting the Chiefs in a position to defend that. What the Bills didn't do 
And this kind of goes to the point of why you were seeing these guys go back and forth and why Josh Allen looked so flustered. They didn't really call just general plays. They weren't trying to just do what they did really well. They were trying to beat what the Chiefs were doing. It's a. It sounds kind of convoluted, but it's not. It's really simple. You look at the Chiefs, they're going to do what they do on third down. Travis Kelsey's going to run some kind of in-breaking route near the sticks. That's what they're going to do. You know, yes, certain p- coverages dictate different things happen, but that's what they do. They are going to run that when they need it. The Bills didn't have any of that going on. So what you saw was the Chiefs essentially look like they were outsmarting them all game, and they kind of were. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're not really like the Buffalo Bills. They are going to do what they like to do. They have certain things like do. They like to attack deep downfield on third down. They especially like to ta- attack deep downfield when they have wide receivers on reduced splits. They're going to do it regardless of what coverage you throw out there sometimes, which will lead to some interceptions and lead to some big plays. So they will be up to the task, but also don't think that Tom Brady and this Buccaneers team is going to make it as easy as the Bills did. Uh, no doubt about it. I was in the other thing I think with the bills part of it too, is like, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think spags and some other checks were just like, let's just, let's just, let's just blitz. <laughs> like, honestly, like it's just, it's just like, all right, Josh, let's go. If we show, if happens. we show nine guys, he will have no clue what's happening. Right. Yeah. Estimator 01. I can't recall this year. Uh, a single pass to the running backs between the hashes within 10 yards. I don't have the resources. Can you find one single pass to the running back there? Uh, no, just let's just talk about the running back pass game a little bit. I, I'm not going to, I don't, I can't do that. I'm, I, I don't have those capabilities, but let's just talk a little bit about, just maybe a little bit about the running back pass game and how it's been utilized. The Chiefs have used it essentially how they have throughout the last few years. It's been mostly a check down or screen pass thing. From what I see, they mix in the occasional wheel route, but I don't think they go out of their way to weaponize it. I do think part of that is Patrick Mahomes is really good at football, so you don't need to. But I do think they've left some meat on the bone. And I know Kent really wants to dig in on this topic, so I'm going to let him go now. Look, they have... <laughs> I really did. They, they have, uh, they've undoubtedly left some meat on the bone. And some of it is just the basic stuff that we've talked about here. They do a really good job against man coverage utilizing their running backs. They have a great package that they've, they've done a lot of different times. Sometimes it's cross-reading and leaking the running back to the backside of the play. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, like the isolated backside guy, if it's Travis Kelsey, whoever, kind of running and creating traffic and throwing a little swing route. But I think Clyde edwards Lair specifically, and I think he's in here later, he has some very specific um, uh, value uh, that they really haven't utilized yet. And, you know, he can he had one of the most developed route trees I saw from any running back coming out recently since probably Christian McCaffrey. You saw him on corners. You saw him on wheels. You saw him on this dynamic Texas route or the option off of the Texas route. They really haven't seen that a lot. And I don't know if this is the week to utilize all of those things, but what I do think is there are going to be some opportunities for him to come clean in the past game. And I do think they will get some opportunities. They haven't used them. They haven't used Clyde Edwards Alaire the same way that they use cream hunt. I think they've tried a few different times on some stuff, but they haven't been able to hit it. Uh, I would like to see the backs utilize a little bit more. Ben Reisler, does it seem that Daniel Sorensen is playing his best ball under Steve Spagnolo? He was always a solid tackler, but used to occasionally get caught out of position or would be a step slow. What is it about our current system that gets the best play out of him? I mean, he's protected a lot in this system, the way it is right now. You have a bunch of safeties, a bunch of defensive backs that can do a lot of the same stuff. 
So therefore, it's kind of hard to isolate Dan Sorensen if you're an opposing offense. It's really hard to isolate him play after play because you never know where he's going to be. Even if he lines up in a specific spot with the way this defense plays, there's no guarantee that's where he's going. So I do think he's played the best under Steve Spagnuolo. I think he's made a lot of big plays for the Chiefs. I think you can go back to just about any stretch of games and find a handful of plays where he was the guy that was specifically targeted and didn't go great, no matter who the defensive coordinator is. So I think just being that particular guy, you know, the third safety a lot of times, sometimes the second safety, but he's just a versatile safety piece that's around. I think anybody could kind of fill those shoes, maybe just not make as many big plays as he has. I think there's a really, this is going to sound weird, and this isn't necessarily like a scheme thing or anything like that. I think the dynamic with him and Tyron Matthews is actually really strong, and I think they have a really good relationship, and I think that actually has enabled Dan a little bit in some regard. All right, apnerdsquad at gmail.com. We have an email address if you don't like the show and don't want to leave a five-star review. If you just want to send an angry email, Craig's, Craig's the one that reads it, so I don't even have to deal with that part of it. But Brenton emailed in and said, Hey, Nerd Squad, uh, s- Super Bowl question for you. What are your expected snap percentages for the following players? Juan Thornhill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Anthony Hitchens. Go, Maddie. Oh, this is one of those on-the-spot questions that Kent likes to drop on me. Okay, I think... Wa- you have a choice, Matthew. You can look in advance. I'm just saying. Not allowed... So, Juan Thornhill. <laughs> I think Juan Thornhill is going to continue a strong play. I think the Chiefs do want to get him on the field more. I'm going to give Juan Thornhill. I have no idea how much he played last week, so I'm going to give him 62% of the snaps. Clyde edwards coming back. I think that Darrell Williams is going to be still trusted in pass protection. I think they're going to need the extra pass protection help. They also trust him as a receiver to be that safety blanket for Patrick Mahomes. So, I still think Darrell Williams gets the majority of the carries. That leaves Clyde with about 30 to 35% of the snaps. And Anthony Hitchens, I hope they do what they did last week. Keep him on the field when you go dime on early downs versus this Buccaneers team. Give me Anthony Hitchens up in the 75% range. Anthony Hitchens had 70% last week. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 49%. Juan Thornhill, 77 I think that's about right for all of them. Uh, I wouldn't hate the the seventy five percent range. So like I think about what you saw last week. I really hope that they're able to get Juan Thornhill on the field because my man has been exceptional. And I mean, watching this secondary and watching him and Lajerry Sneed and and Tyron Matthew be on the field has just been. I mean, <laughs> that next year's gonna be fun. Like legitimately, this this secondary. Like we talked about, like. The Bermuda Triangle, it's not quite because, like, Legereus is in the slot entirely, but, like, they're, they're going to be a dynamic group. They're going to be a really dynamic group. Uh, so, t- Twitter question time. Chiefs 69-420. How can the Chiefs possibly play a Super Bowl without a new episode of Amateur Hour? I have heard a rumor, Matthew, we might be getting an episode of Amateur Hour. I this is just this is this isn't confirmed. I don't have sources, but uh, I I have heard uh, some rumblings that we might be getting one of those. Province Scott, will Hollywood Ken Swanson and Chief in Carolina be joining Barley Hop to dress up for Trophy Day? The Chiefs are undefeated in Super Bowls when all three guys suit up for Trophy Day. Here's the thing. I I'll, I I got this, Maddie. 
I we actually didn't dress up for trophy day. We both had reasons we couldn't dress up for trophy day. I was in studio and Maddie was on a beach. So we did not dress up for trophy. I mean, I could have. You guys, you could have, you could have been, you wouldn't No, I believe actually Maddie, I vaguely remember. I believe the quote had something to do with the fact that you had no desire to sweat because you sweat in the winter. Yeah, this sounds like a fact. This sounds like something I that, probably said. <laughs> that checks out. I was I was in studio, so I couldn't dress up for Trophy Day. So fun fact, we didn't dress up for Trophy Day, and I don't think we claim to. I will be very here to watch everybody else dress up for Trophy Day. Unfortunately, we can't because we won the Super Bowl without being Maddie dressing up for Trophy Day. But Craig has some fire pictures that I retweeted this week, so you should check them out. And there was some really a lot. Some people got involved last year. Make sure you're make sure you're using the hashtag. Make sure you're taking your photos because you got to look your best when uh, when you're getting presented that trophy. JT Penfield, who makes the biggest play on defense in the game? I'm feeling a luxurious Sneed snack on a sack on it. I called it a snack. Wait, I, I'm supposed to be calling it a snack. That's what luxurious Sneed sacks are uh, on a key third down. He's feeling a snack on a key third down. I already told you guys, if you listen to the prop bet episode, Tyron Matthew is having a pick six on the Buccaneers' first pass attempt of the game. And I mean, I think it's going to be hard to top that as a bigger defensive play throughout the rest of it. So Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, the landlord, whatever we want to call him right now, makes the play on play one. I'm calling a big Dorito here. A snack by Legarius Sneed late in the game. I'm with Jay. I'm with Joel Penfield here. Ball game 21-32. How much difference does the return of Tier One C bat Jamal Dean make for the Tampa Bay secondary? I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I mean, it's really nice that Jamal Dean can run really fast. It's really nice that he comes with good size. It's really good that he is a tier one C-bat player, and I think you've seen that translate to the NFL a little bit. I don't think that Jamal Dean is a great corner by any stretch. I don't think he is good enough to really slow down any of these Chiefs weapons that they couldn't do with or without him. He doesn't impact Travis Kelsey. He doesn't impact Tyreek Hill. I don't even know if he impacts Sammy Watkins, if he is able to play. So I just don't see a big difference other than the fact that maybe they have less blown coverages, which isn't a huge deal for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as is. All right. Ryan Alexander asks, is this game the game they finally unleash Clyde Edwards Lair in the passing game? Matt, I want to hear your thoughts. I kind of gave you a little bit. Fun fact, Kent and I, before we recorded this, spent a solid 15 to 20 minutes talking about maybe getting Clyde edwards Lair involved in the passing <laughs> game and how, you know, that might be useful for how the Bucks could defend the Chiefs. I just don't see it happening. I I hope I'm wrong because I think this has been the entire point to drafting him. I don't think they drafted him to be a runner and a blocker. I think if that was the case, that's a really wild pick to me. So I do think it's coming. I just don't know if it's this year. They've been hesitant to do it. It's not even like you've gotten to see it in spurts or anything. They were maybe ramping it up coming out of that Dolphins game. Then there was an injury. It's just, I haven't seen it yet. I think Darrell Williams gets too many reps for Clyde to really make a huge difference. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think part of it is like, you know, he's not in on passing downs very often. So he's getting that early work. Um a lot of times you did see though, like the game that he kind of got more involved in the passing game was the game that he got 
utilized more on third downs and they were able to kind of do some of the stuff that they like, you know, with their man beaters, with the running back out of the backfield. They have a good package of it. Like I said, I think if the, if the bucks do try to play a little bit of man here, try to hold Mahomes in the, make the, make Mahomes hold the ball just a, a tick longer to try to let that pass rush get home against a weak offensive line. Maybe you see the running back passing him. I think that's really ultimately where it could be valuable um, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. KC Tom, greetings from South Carolina. What era do you expect Andy Reid's specialty throwback play to come from on Sunday? I think he's going to keep it relatively modern. He's going to go to the 90s and he is going to pull out something that I am, you know, I have no idea what it's going to be because I'm not Andy Reid, but I don't think you're going to get something from, you know, the mid 1900s this time. What about like, what about the, what about the RB seam from 2017? So like three years, <laughs> the twenty tens, because we're in, we're out of them now. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chief Boy RDG. Fill in the blanks, the Chiefs' non-quarterback position groups that play a significant role in determining the outcome of the game. Number one, offensive line, but what are number two and number three? I'm going to go with number two is wide receiver. I think the Tyreek Hill, we know how good he is. I hope we get playoff Sammy back for what he it would be. It would not put a bigger smile on my face than if Sammy Watkins came back for a single playoff game and went over 100 yards with three touchdowns. I think it would be hilarious, but I do think they will need another receiver to step up. Maybe they don't have to put up huge numbers like I just said, but they need someone to step up and help Kelsey, help Tyree Kill, because I do think the Bucks could put together a game plan to slow those guys down a little bit. And number three, defensive line. You got to get some kind of pass rush on Tom without having to blitz every single time. If you get the good Chris Jones game, if you get the good Frank Clark game, I think that goes a long way in impacting some of the stuff the Buccaneers like to do. I think you got the right two there, Maddie. Um, I tend to agree with you for a lot of different reasons, but also like I mean, I think the I think the secondary of the Chiefs is another piece of this too. Let's go specifically the corners. Honestly, I mean, I think we know what what Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, and Jerry Cena have been able to do inside, but the outside corners I think are going to be challenged a little bit. I think Tom's going to give Mike Evans specifically some chances outside because he did last time, and it's going to be on Bashad Breeland. It's going to be on. Charvarius Ward 
to, to hold up strong against a guy that can really win at the catch point. One of the best guys winning at the catch point. Um, really good body control with the ball in the air. Tom just kind of has to be generally accurate if these guys aren't going to make plays on the football, if they aren't going to be in position. So the outside corners is another piece of this I think could be pretty valuable. Chandler W78, how big is it to have Brendan Daly this week? Oh, I like this question. I mean, I think it's big to have him every single week. I think that he's been excellent for I mean the entire defense. <laughs> I think some of the stuff that he's done with the defensive line, I think kind of, or even just the run defense in general, but especially the defensive line, I think kind of goes under the radar because the unit hasn't performed particularly well at all this year. You know, there's been times this year where it hasn't been great. There's been times where it's been really good. So I think people kind of forget how good Daly is, but look at some of the guys they're winning with right now. Look at some, when you see a really nice play um, from the defensive line, especially just look at some of the stuff you see Derek naughty scraping over the top of Chris Jones as he shoots a gap. Just, it's not a cold. It's not by design. Just Derek Nottie's well coached. He reads the play. He reads what's happening. He knows to replace the gap that Chris Jones is leaving while he's getting the penetration. Cause that's where the running back has to go. This team's exceptionally well coached. And I think the defensive line is one of the areas you can see that the most. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not that this is entirely a big thing, but like I think you know he's got a lot of experience in this game that he's can he can lean on, and he can lean on this for his entire group. The good thing for this group is they're all experienced now. Like the majority of this football team's got that experience; they had that experience a little bit to lean on with Spags and Brendan Daly. This is a really experienced coaching staff, and I think that's been really valuable for this team, especially on the defensive side of the football. Brendan Daly's done, I think, a very admirable job with the talent that they've been given. Um, I do tend to agree there with Maddie. Um, there are some really smart plays that this group has made up front, and I think you got to give Brendan Daly some of the credit for that. Andrew Richards, six, <laughs> with Kent's bad takes for his prop bets. Can this game be classified as the Kent forgot game? <laughs> I'm just glad somebody has gone here because this, this has been bugging me all week so far. It's going to bug me all the way up until the game that we are getting a run-first defensive battle. From the Kansas City Chiefs what I was and saying. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but also like this is the best part of this. This what this this didn't just stop at the end of the show. Maddie dragged me for like ten minutes at least after the show. We just started laying out the scenarios. I was like, what are you? Where are you coming up with these numbers? Like, I, it might have even been more than ten. I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna three. Like the line was like three twenty seven and a half. Like it's gonna be like three twenty seven. Watch, I'm still gonna be on the under. And we did look at some. We did look some number at some numbers. Patrick Mahomes has not thrown for three hundred and twenty seven or three hundred twenty eight yards, which would be the over in any playoff game in his career. So that is an interesting line there. I do think. I think Mahomes is gonna play awesome though. I don't think this is some run first defensive struggle. God forbid I don't take the over on something Mahomes hasn't done. Although it is just one other thing Mahomes can do now. I just love that you predicted a blowout, but then like a pedestrian Patrick Mahomes game. That was all. That's all that I enjoyed. He didn't get 327 passing yards in the 51-31 comeback blowout of the Houston Texans. Because the game was over in the first half. What do you mean? I predicted a blowout, Maddie. Wait, wait, are we all? Wait, we can't predict play. We can't predict blowouts in the in the Super Bowl, can we? What'd you do last year? What'd to? you do last year? Did you predict a blowout? I didn't. 
out of respect for the superstitious that listen to this show. <laughs> if I remember correctly. You're giving him too much credit. Uh, <laughs> Brandon 422. Give me a reason why this isn't going to be a playoff Sammy game. Speaking of things we were talking about before the show, Maddie. Well, I haven't checked the weather yet, but if it's cloudy from like Friday through Sunday, he doesn't get a lot of sun. You know, he's not getting those UV <laughs> rays. He can't charge up the batteries. He can't go into full solar reptilian being. Then, yeah, there's a chance the Lizard King doesn't show up. But, guys, I've been to Tampa a couple times. Sun shines a lot there. That's a lot of UV rays. That's a lot of power for playoff Sammy to come back. He's just been holding it back all year. You're getting a playoff Sammy game if he can take the field. All right, Maddie, I'm going to give you a chance because, like, you were I, – I don't know if you're saving this for the for the game preview. I don't – this doesn't sound like something you normally put on the game preview. Do you, are, are you wanting to talk about a little bit what you think you can do with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and why Sammy Watkins could have a big game, or do you want to save that for the game preview? I'm giving you the option. I mean, we, I can go into it a little bit right now. So, here, here's how it started. If I'm the Tampa Bay – well, I, first of all, I'm watching what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is doing in the playoffs, trying to figure out how the Chiefs can attack them. I know I have to do the same thing on the flip side later in the week. So I'm thinking if I'm the Buccaneers defense, how would I go about stopping the Chiefs? I would just go back to what the Patriots used to always do. Bracket Tyree Kill 24-7. And then you play your best corner in this case, or your biggest best corner in this case, Carlton Davis – on Travis Kelsey and man-to-man. On third downs, you get help from one of those freaky athletic linebackers. But that's a lot of guys being dedicated to Kelsey, being dedicated to Tyree Kill. Guess who that leaves open? The one, the only, playoff Sammy Watkins to be guarded by Jamel Dean or Sean Murphy Bunting? Like, that's a mismatch. Ask Richard Sherman. Ask Stephon Gilmore. They don't want that smoke. So if Sammy Watkins can come back healthy... He's going to have a good matchup ready for him, assuming the Buccaneers go out of their way to stop the Chiefs and how they've been winning every game this year. Watkins one-on-one versus these guys with all this space, there's there's a lot of meat on the bone there for him to take, and I really do think he'll take it. I think he's as motivated as ever as long as his body cooperates. Yeah, and this is kind of where I was talking a little bit about the running back pass game. This is why that kind of got involved there is because if you're playing some of those main, if you're playing main coverage, this is a way for you kind of get you know Clyde Edwards-Lair out there. One of the things that's interesting about if they put Carlton Davis on Travis Kelsey's, if they do that YISO stuff, there may not always be a, as strong of a man ID pre-snap. So there probably will still have to be some motion, so they might have to like flex the running back outside of Kelsey and motion him back in to help you get that man ID. Uh, that's just thinking out loud. Uh, but yeah, no, that's one of the things. I mean, that's what he kind of talked about. You put your second best corner in a safety over the top of Tyreek Hill or your fastest corner and let him play trail over the top of Tyreek Hill, and then you put big physical guy over the top. And then that's, I mean, but I think that's that's been part of the time. Some of the times it's playoff Sammy has appeared have been situations like well, that. Right. And I like mean, you think about Travis the first- Kelsey will still get his. Like, don't get me wrong, Carlton Davis isn't shutting down Travis Kelsey, but is nope. Travis Kelsey going to completely destroy a defense if they have a big physical corner on him, and then on third downs he's getting help from a linebacker? Like, I think the pass tells us that he can have a good game but he may not have a dominant game in that particular scenario. So then on the flip side, Tyree Kill can beat this double bracket coverage, but he probably won't have a dominant game. So you're going to need other guys to step up. And quite frankly, I trust playoff Sammy Watkins, who burned stuff on Gilmore, Richard Sherman, you name it, he's beat them, to beat you know, average cornerback twos and or threes in this case for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And... Uh... 
our quarterback won't underthrow a ball that's Sean Murphy bunting like Aaron Rodgers did last week. Just saying. I just just saying. Captain Danny, which team runs a trick play first? Depends on how you define a tricky play. The Buccaneers do like to do some interesting stuff that I don't think is a trick play. You know, is inserting Chris Godwin as what looks to be a blocker underneath the tight end no. and then leaking out a trick play? Because it's just a good play. No. Yeah. So in that case, it's going to be the Chiefs. It'll be in the second quarter. They're going to be driving down the field with ease, picking up first down after first down, and then Andy Reid's going to call some kind of silly end-around reverse pass that won't work and will stall out the drive, and they'll end up punting or kicking a field goal. It happens every big game they play. They will be driving with ease and then call a trick play that doesn't work. I am going the opposite. I think Tom Brady... Really, if you look at the Buccaneers last year, they got a short field to score one touchdown. Last week, they got or two weeks ago, they got a short field to score one touchdown off a turnover. And then they got a Hail Mary to Scotty Miller because Kevin King stinks at football. Outside of that, they scored 17 points. I don't think they're banking on a short field and a Scotty Miller Hail Mary at the end of the half on a double move on Kevin King because Kevin King doesn't play for the Chiefs last I checked. Don't look at my draft picks. I might have wanted him to play for the Chiefs at one point. Uh, I think I think the Bucks are going to feel the need to try to generate a big explosive play off of a trick play. Uh, so I would not be surprised to see some kind of double pass of some capacity uh, by the Buccaneers trying to get a cheap one. Jay Doobie 19, what position groups have you been most surprised with and most disappointed with this year? But I think cornerback has to be the obvious choice for most surprised with. I mean, we as a group were probably not as high on Traverius Ward as some others, but I think you've seen this year why that may be the case. But at the same time, he's always able to pull it together and give you quality play throughout spurts. Bashad Breland has been freakishly good for the level of free agency player that he's been. I mean, he was a late signing to Green Bay. Then he came here for these last two years after no one else wanted him, and it's gone really well. So those two guys on the outside have played better than what their contracts suggest. And then when you have the defensive player of the year, the best rookie in the entire league, probably the second best cornerback in the entire league, playing in the slot and Legarius Sneed, like it's really hard to go against that group. And least, uh, most disappointed in, they're just the pass rushers in general. I think Chris Jones and Frank Clark together have been very inconsistent. They haven't been as dominant as they have been in years past. Jones more so than Clark, but neither one have played up to their standards and the help around them as pass rushers specifically has not been there. Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with the pass rush on disappointed. Another name I'll give you on the most surprise for a lot of different reasons is actually the offensive line. Chiefs are on their fourth and fifth options at tackle. They've really tried to piece this thing together. And I mean, there's definitely been some, some tough moments here and I'm not trying to say that this group has just been great. I think they've probably exceeded expectations a little bit. They've done a good job, um, you know, navigating very difficult times. This group has had a lot to deal with, with injuries and, you know, three of the five, three of the five starters from week one are not going to be not only avail uh, playing in the seat, they're not even available. Kletchio Assembly, both tackles, not even available for this game. So um, a ton of credit to that group. Hopefully they can hold up this week in the Super Bowl and get themselves a much-deserved ring. Chief Anglin 95, what is one under-the-radar matchup? One under-the-radar matchup you'll be watching for in the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay Buccaneers center Ryan Jensen versus Chiefs linebackers in space. 
Because when Ryan Jensen gets in space, not only is he good out there, but he finds somebody and he finishes them. If this is a Ryan Jensen game where he's running around burying Anthony Hitchens, burying Damon Wilson, or God forbid, Ben Neiman, you're going to be in trouble. Like You need these linebackers to be able to avoid him and beat him to their spots because they are not going to win the point of contact if he starts working in space as well as he can. I, I just think that's one that the Buccaneers could exploit, especially if the Chiefs aren't covering him up on some of these like third or second and longs. We're talking about playoff Sammy here. Whoever's trying to call, call, cover McCool Hardman, because they could try to they could try a couple shot plays here, try to st- try to steal one, and if they can't carry with that man and they're not getting help over the top because they're worried about Tyreek Hill, I could be a sneaky big play there. Jackson Redford, how many plays does Daryl the Barrel need to make in the Super Bowl for playoff Daryl to be a thing? He's really turned up in the postseason and made the most of his opportunities. I don't even think it's playoff dirty Daryl. I think it's literally just dirty Daryl when he gets playing time. Like, there's not really been a time when he's been healthy that he's got playing time where it hasn't been good. Like, yes, early this year, there was some plays designed for him, but I think we all were kind of like, eh, I'd rather see somebody with more juice out there on that play just because he doesn't seem to have it. As the years gone on, he's moved better, he's looked better, and, and going back to his rookie year, when he gets on the field, Good things happen, whether it's in the passing game, blocking, or running. So more Daryl, the better, I say. Optimus Ginger, is it being overlooked that this will be the best team or slash quarterback that Tom Brady has ever faced in a Super Bowl? If you look at the list of QBs he's faced in previous Super Bowls, it isn't exactly a murderer's row. I mean, there's probably something there, but at the same time, I think Tom Brady is the kind of guy that is going to take that to heart. Like, he is somebody that will try harder because of that. And also, I do feel like that's sliding Matt Ryan that particular year with the Atlanta Falcons. He was playing really good football then. Is he as good as Patrick LeVon Mahomes? No, but he was playing excellent football that year with a really good offense. Like, I don't know if we could downplay them that strongly. This is the best team that he's played, though. And this is the best quarterback that he's played. And by the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes will be 33% away from supplanting Tom Brady as the GOAT. Alex Wynn, 123. How is the Bucks defensive line, how's the Bucks defensive line compared to the 49ers defensive line last year? And how do you like our odds against those two? I don't think it's as good. I mean, essentially across the board, I don't think they're as good. I think they have some better girth up the middle. It's like when you have Vita Vea and Damakong Su in there, like that's a lot of big guys. So you can't run against them. They can push the pocket, but neither are DeForest Buckner good as pass rushers who had a great game against LDT and Austin Ryder. I think people kind of forget how good he was because Nick Bosa was out here sunning Eric Fisher at play after play. But nobody for the Bucks is as good as Nick Bosa. I don't even know if their rushers are playing as good as D Ford was at points in times last year as a pure pass rusher. So like it's not as good. But DeForest DeForest Buckner and and Arik Armstead in inside aren't anything to see. There aren't no slouches either. Right, exactly. So like, I mean, I think last year's 49ers pass rush especially is significantly better, and I think that's all we're looking at at this point in time. The one thing I will say, this Bucks team is exceptionally well coached, maybe even better coached than last year's 49ers team on defense. No slight to Robert Sala, just Todd Bowles has this team coached really well right now. I think they will identify 
the spot they need to rush to with those defensive ends. They will rush with power to that spot. They will not try to go long. They will not let Patrick Mahomes drop 15 yards scot-free as they try to make inside moves. So I do think they might be coached better. But talent-wise, I mean, it's not close. That 49ers team was better. That 49ers team was able to generate a lot more quick pressure without really having much resistance. Uh, the talent on the defensive line of the Bucks is a down downgrade over last year the Chiefs offensive line obviously is a downgrade especially at the tackle position so um, it's going to be a fascinating matchup I think it is the biggest matchup in this game but I also think Patrick LeVon Mahomes can do a lot of different things to help mitigate some of those issues all right that is going to do it for the mailbag edition of the AP laboratory thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back later with the game preview so much going on on the arrowhead pride podcast channel with it being super bowl week make sure you're tuning in thank you all so much and we will catch you later man that's a hell of an episode i should skip these things more often